We are moving through the Revelation letters, the letters to the churches, and we're in Revelation chapters 2 and 3. There's actually seven letters there, seven churches, and today we're going to be in the sixth letter. We've entitled this series, Listen Up. Why did we entitle it that? Well, because throughout each of the letters, we're challenged to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to the churches. It says, let he who has an ear, let him hear. Listen up. That's our challenge as we move through each of these seven letters. And like I said, today we're in the sixth letter. We're in the letter to Philadelphia. You know, we uh, take each of these letters and we break them down. We're breaking them down into four sections, all right? And so the first section we're using is Christ's character. And it opens up each letter with uh, one verse on something you need to consider about the amazingness of Jesus Christ. Keep this in mind because I'm about ready to tell you some challenges and you're going to need to know this. All right. That's what's going on in the front end of each letter. So Christ's character. And then the second piece is commendation. Like, hey, way to go. You're getting these things right and keep on going. And, and then there's criticism. Uh, these are some things we need to change. Some opportunities, if you will. And then a closure. Now, the last couple of letters we've been in have been pretty direct. They've been pretty firm. In fact, the criticism piece has been the predominant part of those letters. And today, the letter we're in is kind of the reverse. With Philadelphia, it's all about commendation. In fact, there is no criticism in Philadelphia. There's like one little line. We'll talk about it when we get to it. And it's just sort of a half criticism, half just statement of fact. Okay. And so really no criticism to this church. Just awesome job. Like you're getting who I am. And so that's where we're pouring into today. In fact, what he's saying when he's challenging them is, thanks for enduring patiently. Thanks for enduring patiently. That's what we're called to do. So when we dive into the letter today, we're simply asking that question, Lord, how can I endure patiently? How can I take on the circumstances of this life and not be tripped up? All right, that's what we're answering today as we go through the sixth letter. So we've got uh, Revelation chapter 3, verses 7 through 13, and we've got the ushers coming forward. They've got some Bibles in their hands. Hey, if you need a Bible, we're just going to be walking verse by verse through this. So if you need a Bible, just raise your hand, and they'll get one to you, okay? Just raise your hand, they'll get a Bible to you. Revelation 3, 7 through 13, and we're answering, what do we do when the times are tough? Okay, that's what we're answering. So first, let's start by understanding Christ a little better. Christ's character. Worship the true and holy one who has all authority over the future kingdom. Worship the true and holy one who has all authority over the future kingdom. We start out, it says, And the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, The words of the holy one, the true one, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens. Okay, remember we said here, it says, and to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, and this word angel, again, we've said it five weeks in a row, and we'll say it again today. The word angel, it it means messenger, and it can mean spiritual messenger, like the one coming with wings on, right, from God to man. And, And this angel talking, it can mean literally that kind of angel, but it can also mean human messenger, somebody who's just bringing a message to a group of people. In fact, this messenger is being written to by the Bible, right? It says, and write these words to him. So this messenger is human. This messenger is probably the preacher of the church. 
That's the messenger that's being spoken to. He's basically saying to the preacher in Philadelphia, grasp this. All right. So this hits home every time I start one of these letters and I see that challenge. It says in Philadelphia, Philadelphia, let's just get a little bit of an understanding of that city. Agriculturally centered. Okay. Made a lot of its money off of the food and crops. Agriculturally centered. Uh, rocked by earthquakes. A couple of different earthquakes that hit, absolutely devastated. People running for their lives. It's going to come up a little bit later in this, in this letter, okay? So keep that in mind. Philadelphia. That's the letter that's being written. That's the people that are being challenged. The thing they're challenged to know is they're asked to be grasping something about Jesus Christ. And get this now. In the first five letters, there was always this reference back to the first chapter. The stuff that they were talking about was in some way from Revelation chapter 1. But here, he's beginning to broaden out. He's going beyond Revelation 1 now. And he's saying, here's some things you need to know. Some things from the Old Testament. Some things from the New. About who Jesus Christ is. And I need to make sure that you grasp that. He says, the words of the Holy One and the True One. The words of the Holy One. Let's break it down. Holy. Jesus Christ, he is set apart. He's divinely unique. Absolutely Perfect. The one who is God. That's what he's saying when he says the Holy One. The one who is God. In fact, this Holy One, this phrase was used. I grabbed one spot from uh, Mark eleven twenty four, and and there's this conversation going on between Jesus and the demons, and Jesus actually reprimanding, and and the demons get a little bit panicked, and they say they're basically in terrified position, saying, "What business?" Do we have with each other, Jesus? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. Even the demons recognize who Jesus Christ is. Oh, and they tremble. The Holy One of God. I mean, we sang about it a little bit in our worship time today. We must grasp what it means to come before the almighty, righteous being of the universe. The one who is holy, perfect, almighty God of the universe. That's our Jesus. Amen. The holy one. The holy one. He says a little bit more than that. The true one. The Holy One and the True One. Now, putting these two together, I just wrote these phrases down. Didn't make these up. Took these from a commentary. You're going to notice when I say the words. All right? (laughs) Undiminished. I don't use that a lot. Have you noticed? My cup of Kool-Aid is undiminished. I don't use that word a lot. But undiminished. Like, it does not go down. There seems to always be completely full. Undiminished. Unaltered. Essence. Of the sinless creator. Holy. And true. That's our God. Undiminished. Unaltered. Essence. Of the sinless creator. That's Jesus Christ. So true one. What's it mean? Authentic. All that God thinks. All that God says. All that God does. All that God demands. Yeah, that's who Jesus Christ is. The true one. Absolutely in perfect alignment with God Almighty. One and the same. Holy and true. He aligns completely with God. Now notice what this holy one and true one has. 
He has what? What does he have? Keys. He has the key of David. So looking at it there, the, of David. It means the one who's in charge of the messianic kingdom. The one who has all authority to rule and reign. David, he's sitting on the throne, right? He's talking about this rulership. And he has keys to the kingdom of the Messiah. The keys of David. Now, the key of David literally means he's got authority and control over the kingdom. And it also means, well, he's determining who enters the kingdom. The Messiah in charge of the messianic kingdom. That kind of makes sense, right? And he's saying, I just want you to understand that, guys. As I go through this chapter or this letter, it's important you grasp that he's in charge of the eternal kingdom. He has the keys of David. Now, notice a little bit more about him. He doesn't just have the keys hanging on his belt. And every time he walks around, you hear him cling clanging around. And, and he can maybe open a door or two. And he's not the janitor of the place, okay? That's not what it's talking about. Look at the authority that he has. It says, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one will open. In other words, complete and final authority is his. Absolute power is his. No one can overturn what Jesus Christ does. That's what he's saying. We have a king who when he makes a decision, it's final. And when he makes it happen, it's as good as gold for all of eternity. That's our Jesus and his decisions and his rule and reign in our kingdom. The true one, the holy one, the one in charge of the kingdom, Jesus Christ, our creator. So question, when we're going through our day-to-day stuff and life gets a little hard, and quite frankly, we would use that word endure when... We've had Thanksgiving with the family, and it was with the family. You know what I mean? And you get a little bit of some tough moments, and there's some little bit of raised ire, or you have to really tolerate the extra amount, or or when you're working with a friend and they do something where you feel like you're stabbed in the back, or when your boss is mistreating you at work in a way that's completely unfair, when you're enduring, keep this in mind, you have an unbelievable creator. And he is absolutely with you, walking through it with you. What's his plan in this? Because what he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. Are you looking to your creator in the midst of your struggles? Think about what that can look like and how it might look different. That's what he's challenging us to do. Lord, I'm going to see you in the middle of this. And I'm not sure that when I get what it looks like and it might not be more pretty it might be exactly the same but i look a little different because now i grasp you in the middle of it let's grasp our creator and his awesomeness in our lives okay that's the first challenge it's just the one verse there grasp christ all right second commendation stay true to god's word and patiently endure stay true to god's word and patiently endure We'll start out here in verse 8. He says, I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door, which no one is able to shut. I know your works. Remember, we talked about this word, no. It means this complete package of knowledge. It doesn't mean he's learning as he goes along. God gets it. 
He's had it from the beginning of time all about you. He completely grasps you and what's going on in your life. I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. I've set before you an open door. Probably best referring to a sequence of ministries and opportunities, a way to demonstrate Jesus Christ and his power. I've given to you an opportunity to hang with me in the midst of your tough times and to be able to say, this is my God. I've opened a door for you that you might minister. Now, it could even go further than that. That open door of ministry might even imply salvation. I've given an opportunity for salvation to you or to friends of yours. You have begun to see lives changed because of me. You're seeing people moved towards me. You are seeing ministry open doors. And I'm telling you what I prescribed. There isn't a soul alive that can change. I'm moving in this world. When Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. That's like something we can really bank on. You know what I'm saying? It's not like this pretty little mantra we can say on Sunday mornings because we feel like we're in church. Like we are the called out ones. And he's saying, I'm telling you, I'm building it and no one's going to touch it. That's you. And that's me. For following after him. Jesus Christ in an absolute promise. That what he's working on, what he's opening, not a soul can shut. He's at work in our lives. You know, he says a little bit further here. I know that you have but little power. Now, remember I said there's that one spot that maybe it's a mild criticism. This might be it. This might be that one little mild criticism. I know you got a little power, right? And all the guys are like, oh, dude, I never want to hear that, right? What I want to hear is you, you're a rock. Like you're a brick, you're, you're ripped. Like you got it going on, man. You can get this done. And, and he says, I know you got a little power, right? And you're like, oh, that doesn't sound very positive. Probably talking to their physical, probably speaking to the fact that they are actually going through some tough physical times and therefore weak physically, maybe low on food, maybe even wobbling in the legs, maybe even weak in numbers. Some have even thought this is a guess to, you might be a smaller church right now, but trust me, you've got what it takes. And I'm going to be growing you individually, and I'm going to be growing you corporately. He says that you have little power. Now notice what comes after this little power. And yet, you got to love those contradictory words like but and yet, right? It's like, I know it sounded bad, but hang on. And yet... He says right after it, you have kept my word and have not denied my name. You've kept my word and not denied my name. Spiritually, dude, you got it going on. Like in the middle of struggles, you are staying true to my word. What's his word? The Bible, his challenge for us, the very challenges that come to us daily through his word. You've kept that. You know where you're supposed to be headed and you're headed there. Nothing's dissuading you. You're on your path. You've got the challenge ahead and you know what to go after. You kept my word. You did not deny my name. There were people that were literally saying, you follow that Jesus? You serious? Come on. Sounds like a load of junk. You seriously buying that? I'm not sure I want to hang with you if you're buying that. In that moment, you have a choice. 
Do you support or do you deny? And it says here they literally did not deny his name. They said not just, well, well I, I, yeah, I guess I kind of, no, that's not what he's talking about. You did not deny my name. They're like, you know I'm standing with him. You better believe I'm standing with him. And I don't, I don't care what it costs me. Jesus Christ, my king, my savior. I'm standing with him because of what he's done for me. And, and I'm telling you, I deserve nothing. And yet what I get from him, it, it's everything. And, and so you're challenging, you're challenging me like, like you're more than him. And if I lose your approval, then I'm going to step back and <clears throat> not going to happen. You challenge me to choose him over you or you over me, you over him. Well, I choose him and that's where I stand. I'm not denying him in the least. Hey, you know, uh, the challenge in America, well, quite frankly, it's not all that tough. It's, um, you know, the challenge might be a little bit of mockery here or there. It's pretty hard challenges in other countries, in other nations. And who knows what's coming in our own nation. We better be prepared to say this. I am going to listen to your word. And I will not deny your name. You are my God and you are my king and you have my attention and you have my heart. And I am yours. What do you want done, Lord? Where can I stand that you might get all the glory? That's what it's all about. Okay? He says, you've kept my word. You have not denied my name. Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say that any Jews, who say that they are Jews and are not, but lie. Behold, I will make them come and bow at your feet. You know, the beauty of this is, again, he's using this phrase, synagogue of Satan. We've heard this before, right? He's literally saying the people that have the blood lineage that makes them Jewish, but heart-wise, they refuse to accept Christ for who he is. They're not getting it. They're walking away from Jesus Christ. He's the answer to their very center of problem. So what do they create? A ritualistic set of rules, a big bunch of do's and don'ts. That's what they created. And they'll follow that. Before they follow Christ, synagogue of Satan. We better be careful. Notice that uh, he's using some pretty harsh words when he says synagogue of Satan. He's saying, I'm telling you this, the guy that's opposing Jesus Christ is a created being, Satan. Little in comparison to Christ by far, okay? Little and created. And that's who you're choosing to show off. When you go after self, you do not have Christ at the center. You're missing it. And these guys have gone so far as to never be saved, never trust in him, but continue to pump it like it's an answer, like it's some religious solution. So it's the synagogue of Satan. That's what he's saying. Yeah, they're going to be bowing at your feet. Now, can you imagine being beat on, pushed around, mistreated? You're enduring. You've got tears in your eyes, you're struggling, you're weak, whatever might be going on. And in the midst of that, Jesus Christ says, I'm telling you this, one day those people will get the good picture. They'll get the right picture. And they're going to be bowing, not just at my feet, they're going to be bowing at your feet. There's a promise of hope in this. As they're literally grasping, Jesus is just saying this, dude, I'm going to make it right. They're going to get what's really going on. They're going to get it. Just hang on. Just hang with me. I'm telling you, all things are going to be put in their right spot. 
Why? They will learn that I have loved you. They will learn that I have loved you. Look, we walk past that so fast. That word love, and, and we hear it, you know, it's, eh, it's kind of trite nowadays. And, you know, and, and it really becomes sort of more of a strong like is what we really mean when we say it. You know what I mean? Oh, I love ice cream. Right? Really? Is that what you mean by that word? Probably not, right? But it's just a colloquialism, and it's not like it's sin to use it. Don't take me wrong on that, right? But it, it becomes something where we tend to water down the overall word. And then when Jesus says he loves us, well... It's like we're the equivalent of raspberry sherbet, right? Like that's not what we're talking about. Love, we're talking about this absolute total investment in who you are and where you're headed. A complete willingness to sacrifice for you. Is that what you mean when you're talking about sherbet? Like, I don't think so, right? But but that's what he means here. Like I'm telling you, I'm so all in for you. You've got my whole for your better interests. I love you. Notice how I turned to sherbet? That's because I'm allergic to ice cream. Okay. All right. He says, I loved you because you have kept my word about patient endurance. You have kept my word about patient endurance. And here's what I love about this. He didn't say you kept my word about endurance. You know, that word that means to continue to put up with along the way and put up with well. To remain under is what it literally means when you piece the two Greek words together. To remain under. Okay, and so you're literally being able to stand under some tough circumstances endure But he threw another word in front of it patiently endure To grasp that god has a plan and that you're following after him. No complaining Oh Well, never mind that Right, no complaining In the midst of the problem like god you've got a plan and i'm trusting you and it's not exactly the plan I choose because well, quite frankly, because I don't know everything. So my plan would be that this go away, right? How many times has our prayer been that? When we say, let's pray about that. What we're really praying is, Jesus, please find that you were wrong and take that away now. Will you please do that, right? Isn't that really what we mean? And let's be careful. That's not the call to prayer. The call to prayer is, Lord, may your will be done. And whatever you're doing, in whatever way you're doing it, I'm telling you, I'm willing to go through it with you uh, no, no complaining. Tell me that's not challenging to each of us. Hey, I'm right there with you. We wrestle with our problems and we struggle with them. And in the midst of our struggles, we find out how to be, well, it's the art of complaining with Christian ease, right? And, and let's be careful about that. And let's make sure we put God first and foremost. Well, I'm not sure I understand what endurance really looks like. Okay. Can you hold on to this for a sec, babe? Ken, can you stand up for me? This is not rehearsed. So Ken doesn't know what we're doing. Why don't you stand in front of me and turn around and face them? Ken's uh, one of our worship guys. Good job playing today. Thanks. Yeah. So uh, what does endurance look like? Why don't you come stand up here? We've done it a different way in the past. We're not going to do it that way today. Before I climbed on their back, dude. <laughs> so endurance. I'm just going to lean on. My, I, I represent the problem and the circumstance and your job is to endure. Okay. And so endurance is, is when it's, it's a little bit uncomfortable, quite frankly, and, and you're pushing down and, and, and we're standing there. We're not complaining and we're hanging on and endurance. And this is what it means to remain under 
Like I'm telling you, when Ken steps out and I fall on my face, that's a bad moment, first of all. Don't do that. Yeah. And, and that, that's not remaining under, right? This is remaining under. What circumstance do I represent in your life right now? Think about it. He's feeling it in his traps. That's his shoulder muscles. Okay. What's the, what do I represent? Where do you feel this going down on you? Where do you feel it? We need to be remaining under no complaining. All right? Thanks, bro. Let's give Ken a hand. Hey, it's important we get that picture. Because if we don't, we go home and we're like, yeah, I need to put up with it. And then like one second later, you're like, and that's enough. You know what I'm saying? Patient endurance. What's God calling you to? And where's he calling you to do it at? Notice he says right after it, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. I will keep you from the hour of trial. I got to tell you, this is a, a passage that isn't totally understood. This is the best I can do with it. It is talking about a sense of trial that's coming. All I did is reverse the order of words there. It is talking about a trial. It is talking about a challenge and a test. It is talking about something Jesus Christ is going to be doing. And notice it says to try those who dwell on the earth. That phrasing dwell on the earth is most often used for people who won't believe and trust in him who are living on this earth all for themselves. Okay. And so this phrasing probably most represents saying this. Hey, you believers. Hey, you who are following through with me and hanging with me. Those who have found perseverance to be the center of who you are. I'm telling you this. There will be a time where there is judgment upon this earth for those who won't believe in me. You're not going to be a part of that. Okay. Now, now it might mean that you're actually pulled completely out of it. Right. That would be like the rapture. Right. It does say keep from. That's an interesting preposition there. It doesn't say keep through. Or keep in. It does say keep from. And so maybe you are being pulled out. Maybe we as believers are going out in this rapture before Jesus Christ comes in the end. Or maybe it does mean more of a keep from. Like I'm telling you as the heat's coming down, it's not going to hit you. Either direction, I'm telling you this. You have a guarantee of safety and security in your Savior. Run to Him and be with Him. Let him figure out the details along the way, but he has your back. Okay? That's what it means. We've got an amazing Savior who has our back. Well, when's he coming? He says, I am coming soon. So if you got that question, he answered it for you there. Soon. Well, what's soon mean? Well, he said soon then, and it's been a couple thousand years. So soon is definitely in perspective. But when we think of all of eternity, soon is... Well, a couple thousand years would be kind of soon. You know what I'm saying? So soon he is coming. And I'm telling you, he's at least 2000 years closer to coming. So we have him coming. He is returning. We've got an amazing king with a plan at hand and the church is being shaped and his called out ones are being collected to him. We have a king who's worth knowing and serving. Amen. And he's coming and he's got a plan to save us and separate us from the judgment. Notice what he says. Hold fast what you have so that no one may seize your crown hold fast what you have remember we use this word hold fast we saw it before a couple letters ago just hold your hand up in the air and squeeze as tight as you can this is holding fast like not just kind of hold it up but squeeze as tight as you can you're going to feel your fingers kind of hurt and then kind of release now do you feel it in your knuckles and you got to go like this that's holding fast 
I mean, cling with all you've got. I mean, you've got my attention, Lord, and I'm holding on. What does it say? Hold fast to what you have. The amazing almighty Messiah in your life, a relationship with him, his word to guide us, his Holy Spirit to comfort us and lead us through. We have an absolute plan for total victory. Hold fast to what you have. Amen. And as we hold fast, what does he say happens? Well, make sure that no one seizes your crown. You know, we got to be careful what this phrase means. Don't come up with some whack theology, okay? It's not somebody can steal your crowns in heaven and there's like this place of thievery around there in heaven. Like that's not what it's saying, right? Like what's it talking about? It's saying this. If the person that can come along in your life and tend to create a little bit of, you know, like they can jab at you and they can kind of hurt you. And in the middle of being hurt, it actually takes you off plan and you're losing rewards. In effect, that person simply by dissing on you has taken your crown. Don't let him seize your crown. Go after a reward with him that says, I'm faithful to the end because he has my attention. And nobody takes these eyes off of him. Nobody. I'm with him. I see him and I'm running with him. He's my God. He's my king. And I hear him first and foremost. Amen. It's a priority in what we listen to. God gives us reward for following through. What an amazing privilege we have to hold fast. All right, let me just say this. Why would we not endure? I mean, it sounds like a nice plan. Sure, why not? On Sunday morning when we get all pumped up and we get some really good songs, why not endure? Top four endurance killers. Top four endurance killers. You may want to write these down. Number one, we choose comfort over completion. Comfort over completion. You know, the, well, to finish the job, I'd be kind of tired. I need a rest. I need a break. I don't want to be under this pain anymore. The remain under thing is like, we're done, right? Forget that. It's not very comfortable, right? When we go out and pick out a sofa to purchase, we're not like, please, seriously, could you make it like as hard and uncomfortable as possible? And, and let me pay top dollar for that. And then I'll sit on it nonstop while I'm watching TV, upright, vertical. It's horrible, right? Like we're not going to buy that couch, right? So we think in the world of comfort, we tend to walk around thinking, make me comfortable. Except then we get to Christianity and our walk with Christ and we're like, never mind on that one area. But all these other areas make me comfortable. Be careful. My challenge to you would be this. Start thinking, maybe God wants my comfort a little less because he wants my completion a little more. Okay, choose comfort over completion. You'll tend to find your endurance wanes. Number two, choosing the change them instead of change me plan. You know what I'm talking about? The change them instead of change me. I can't tell you how many times when I sit down to counsel with someone or a couple, the first thing that comes out is an unbelievable explanation of the sin problem. Them describing them and them describing them. You know what I'm saying? Like, so if I'm looking at a married couple, I understand all about her mistakes from his explanation and all about his mistakes from her. That's a problem. We get into the game plan of saying, let me tell you how wrong everybody else is. I can tell you who needs to change. I'll start with the front row. Right. And then we just start walking up. Don't worry. I'm not really going to. Then we start walking down the row and we're just like, I'm going to tell you what's wrong with you and what's wrong with you. And if I could talk about as many people as possible, maybe I never have to talk about me. You know what I'm saying? If we change them instead of change me, well, endurance wanes, okay? Number three, 
uh, we choose my glory over Christ's glory. My glory over Christ's glory. You know, like when we're doing something and we're like, I, I really want to serve Christ and I'm doing this for real. And then, you know, there's recognition and things going on and somehow somebody doesn't recognize what you've done. And so you're like, that's it. Like I'm telling you, if they're not going to recognize what I've accomplished in this place, then I'm out of here. I'm going to stop serving. Right? And as soon as we say I'm willing to stop, no completion, and we're saying I'm stopping because I'm not getting the accolades I want, well, I can guarantee you we've chosen number three, my glory over Christ's glory. What we need to be saying is all I want to hear is this phrase. From Jesus Christ, well done. My good and faithful servant. There is one time for appreciation that's really needed and demanded. Hey, this is a hard one. And we all need to be encouraged. Trust me, it's not like we're saying kill the gift of encouragement. We don't need it in the church. I'm not saying that. Please keep encouraging. And for those who are, have the gift of encouragement, please bring. We need a lot of encouragement in the church, okay? But I'm telling you, we all need to be thinking how to say thanks to each other, but we never better be serving for the thanks from each other. Do you hear what I'm saying? Like if it starts getting horizontal and highly appreciative this way, boy, have we lost this. Let's serve him for him and his glory that Jesus Christ might be found awesome. Okay. So comfort over completion, change them over change me, my glory over Christ's glory. And the last one is fear over following. Like we're called to follow Jesus Christ and we get what it means to follow Jesus Christ and we're running with him. And then we start thinking, but what if? And our what ifs become, it could really happen. And all of a sudden our fears get so huge. And, and if our fears get huge, well, they can derail us. I can tell you this. It's not wrong to think what could go wrong. Good leaders think ahead. What could go wrong? What do we need to be addressing? But it never derails you from following biblically. Do you see what I'm saying? It never makes you stop doing what is right. It just makes you think wisely about next steps. As soon as you begin to think what could go wrong... And it makes you stop doing what's right. And you either go into complaining or quitting at some level. That's where fear has taken over. Fear over following. Be careful. It'll kill your endurance. The following through patiently. Okay. So choosing completion. Choosing change me. Choosing Lord may you be shown off in my life. And may that be the only thing that happens. Choosing I want to follow you no matter what. That's what's going to bring endurance, all right? Let me just read a few things about endurance. A couple of quotes here. Here we go. Just kind of relax a little and listen to these phrases. Perseverance. It's not a long race. It's many short races run one right after another. I thought that was an interesting one from a guy named Elliot. Consider the postage stamp. Its usefulness consists in its ability to stick to one thing until it gets there. Kind of helpful thought. Be a postage stamp. There you go. Today's message. In the confrontation between the stream and the rock, the stream always wins. Not through strength, but by perseverance. Little bit by little bit over time. If at first you don't succeed, well, you're running about average. Okay. One of the most common, this is a longer quote, this is the last one. One of the most common mistakes and one of the most costly is thinking that success is due to some genius or some magic within you. Something or other which we do not possess. Success is generally due, though, to holding on and to failing to let go. 
You decide to learn a language. You decide to study music. You decide to take a course of reading. You decide to train yourself physically. Will it be a success or a failure? Depends on how much pluck and perseverance that word decide contains for you. The decision that contains nothing that can be overruled. The grip that nothing can detach will bring success. I want to be careful. These are written by very strong humanistic guys, okay? And so they're telling you how to be a strong human being. And I think that's a, that's a big part of it. But I'm telling you this. Your eyes better be fixed on Jesus Christ in the midst. And as we run with him, holding fast to him, giving our all to him, may he be glorified. So here's my question for you. And their giant commendation here of all the things they were praised for. My question is this. Are you ready to endure? So what's that thing that distracts? What's that thing that hurts or brings up the, hey, this isn't very comfortable in your life? Make sure you get it. Now, what's it going to look like to endure? Patiently endure. Willing to not complain. Willing to say, Lord, you've got my attention. I'm going right where you want me to go. That's where we need to be headed individually and as a body my prayer is that each of us and this whole corporate body would literally hear god say these words unbelievable patient endurance way to stand up under that's what's showing me off all right that's the commendation from the church at philadelphia okay criticism none let's move on okay closure Celebrate your permanent citizenship and security in his amazing kingdom. Celebrate your permanent citizenship and security in his amazing kingdom. Notice he says, to the one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. We've talked about this a number of times. To the one who conquers, it's at the end of each of the letters. It means to the one who believes in Jesus Christ, right? First John 5, 4 and 5. Those who believe in God and love him, those are the ones who will overcome the world. So my victory starts with my faith in him. And it says actually in 1 John 5, 5, your faith is your victory. That's what we're talking about. Experiencing that victory like the one who conquers. I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. What does that mean? Is it good to be a pillar? Do do I want to be a pillar? Right? This is what he's really saying when he talks about pillar. He's saying you're going to be a part of my dwelling place. You're going to be a permanent fixture in my church. You are absolutely 100% going to be privileged and honored with being a permanent element in my heaven. Pillar in the temple. Yeah, it's a good thing. Right? Right after it, he says, never shall he go out of it. And I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven and my own new name. I'm going to write some things on you. I'm going to write on you, tattoo on you, my God's name. Like I'm telling you, it shows ownership. You belong to him. I want you to understand you are his for eternity. But more than that, I'm going to write on you the name of Jerusalem. I'm not sure where these tattoos are going, but apparently they'll look good. Okay. And so we've got the name of God on us and the name of Jerusalem on us. And, and however that works. And what is it saying? It's saying this, you're a citizen, you belong like this is your home and you can celebrate being with him for all of eternity. And it talks more than just about those two things. It says you're going to have the name, the new name 
of Jesus Christ written on you. This new name. Yes, he was sacrificial savior, the lamb. And absolutely celebrating that. And more than that, he is king. King of kings and Lord of lords, our almighty God. And that name written on you saying, price paid. This one covered, my child, my brother or sister from Christ's perspective. Absolute opportunity for eternity of being with him in heaven. What a privilege. And it says at the end, he who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. He who has an ear, let him hear. We do it every time. We're going to do it again. So who has an ear? We all have an ear, right? So cup your hand. Go ahead. I know we've done it five times. We're going to do it six. Cup your hand. Go ahead and put it to your ear. Let he who has an ear, let him hear. Eternity with your savior. Him defining you as his own. Complete possession in heaven. Absolutely rightly yours. You are a citizen of his almighty kingdom for eternity. What a God who shares those things with us when we don't even deserve them. I mean, think back to when we were saved and think back maybe to even while we've been saved and some of the life we've been living. Hey, life's, well, life's messy, right? And we can make mistakes and we can walk away from them. Confused and dazed. And then we turn back and ask for forgiveness and, and as we're wrestling with them, and then we're giving it up, and then we're growing a little, and then we're living a little more, and then we're wrestling with that, and then we give that up. Why do we keep wrestling? Isn't it interesting? Over and over again. And the more we give up, we're like, yeah, but not this one. Right? All those it made sense for, but this, this is about, right? It's kind of crazy, isn't it? How much we fight. And yet along the way as he grows us. Patiently enduring us. Right? As we grow to be more like him. Him changing us from the inside out. Man, could we just let it down. And stop the battling with him. What a privilege. To be with him. What a privilege to have him work with us. And call us in. What a privilege to have him literally be with us in the heavens for all of eternity. That's our king. All right, so I was trying to think of an analogy for this, and well, this is where I'm at for the moment, all right? So uh, this weekend was a Madrigals concert over at uh, Morton, and my daughter, Megan, is in the Madrigals. She's a sophomore, and so, you know, they dress up in these medieval costumes, and then we did a, a dinner over there, and then they're doing the singing and all this stuff, so it's kind of a Christmas celebration and all that, and uh, so it was a great time. My wife and I, on Friday night, were hosting, meaning we kind of welcomed everybody there, Okay. So we're up front and John is checking them in as they came in and, and they gave their name and then she'd find them on the tables and mark which table they were at. And then we'd give them some plastic cards that had the name of the table they were going to be a part of. And once the whole table was there, then they would get announced and brought in. Okay. So at some point about halfway through this little thing, before we've seated any tables, uh, the person directing the music comes up to me and says, could you do me a favor? Could you go down by the stage and as they come in, just collect those plastic cards back from them so that we can get them back? That, that would be a good help. I'm like, okay, fine. That's fine. So I go down there to the stage and, and then the drama teacher says, can you please come up on the stage? And so I come up on the stage and she says, can you do me a favor when you're collecting these cards? All right. I'm not sure if you're comfortable in front of people. <laughs> but if you are... 
Could you kind of enter into this with us and announce them? You know, kind of like the royal court of Cheshire. You know, can you do that? Like, heck yeah, I'm in. Let's do this. (laughs) All right, let's go. So the first group of people comes in, right? And they've gotten their stuff and they come down front and they hand the cards and they don't know what to expect. And I collect and I said, okay, just a second. I'll call over the people who are going to help you at your table. Okay, great. The Royal Court of Cheshire, right? And the two people come over and these people are like, oh my word. (laughs) And they get walked over to their table and they get seated and the next ones come down. We had a few of them come down and then we had another table come and uh, collected theirs and they were a bigger table. And uh, I said, can you just hang on for a second? We've got two servants that will come over for you guys. And so I turned around and I said, the royal court of Berkshire. And two people come over and this one woman says, oh, I can't stand eyes on me. It draws too much attention. And I looked at her and I said, and they're hot. <laughs> Why not? And, uh, you know, she was, I don't know, 50s or 60s. She looks at me and she goes, oh, honey, so not applicable. <laughs> and uh, she gets seated at the table. You know what? Here's now a little drift into the pastor's mind here, okay? So then I start thinking, this is Revelation chapter 3, verse 12. Like, I'm telling you, my wife is like Jesus Christ on earth. As she's working with people and bringing them in and getting them organized and she's building the church She's like collecting up and getting them organized and ready for that call that amazing opportunity And and these people are they're in a buzz. They're excited and they've got their cars and they're meeting with each other And they're talking with each other and and my role was like jesus christ in the heavens In the eventual and and i'm like taking the cards from them and and i'm announcing them as they're coming in like, this is what it's going to be, man. And we're getting this big, bold, huge announcement that says, Welcome home. You belong. This is your place. And I'm telling you this. It's unbelievable. You have my best. Welcome to my kingdom. As we're brought in. And we literally will be the woman going, Oh, my word. It is so about you. Please. Right? Praise be to God. May he be lifted up. We serve an amazing king. Amen. Hey, that's heaven. Like an eternity with our almighty king. Him giving us stuff we never deserved. His name written upon us. The God of the universe's name written on us. The city of Jerusalem written on us. We must sing of him. We must share of him. We must worship him. Starting now, because it's going to last forever. And man, it's just going to get better and better and better. That's what brings endurance. Knowing him, knowing him personally and passionately and seeing it get better along the way. God, you've got my attention. I am here to patiently endure. Welcome home. We serve an amazing king. Amen. Yeah. Church of Philadelphia, they got a cool letter, didn't they? Do this with me. Why don't you just close everything and let's stand and let me pray.